open our Bibles today to Exodus, Exodus 20. We're doing a series right now on blessings and curses. And our main text, our golden text for the series is Galatians 3, 13, and 14, which says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. We've been sharing many things about curses and blessings. I'll just review some of the sermon titles just to jog your memory. Blessings or curse. Blessing or curse, the decision is yours. You know, just because you think you should be under a curse doesn't mean you have to be. You can choose not to be under a curse because God's given us the power to be free. Second message is don't live under the curse. Third message, the curse of the law. Fourth message, the blessing of Abraham. Fifth message, the blessings and curses are words. Got more more messages than I thought. Sixth blessing, sixth message, speaking blessings. Seventh message, harnessing your imagination for blessings. Eighth message, spiritual blessings. And last week was blessings in the Father's house. Now let's look at Exodus 20, because today I want to talk about freedom from generational curses. Freedom from generational curses. So let's read Exodus 20, which is the Ten Commandments. We'll read the uh, first six verses. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy to thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Now, hold your finger there and turn over to Deuteronomy. I want to share one more verse, and then we'll begin to, we'll pray and begin to share. Deuteronomy, which is the second giving of the law. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 9. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Hallelujah. Father, today as we look into the word of God, and we explain and we proclaim. We thank you that the results will be tremendous in our lives. We thank you for this simple truth that through Christ Jesus we've been delivered from every curse 
including generational curses. And I thank you, Father, that the people that hear this message will be set free in their souls from every bondage, that they will be set on a course of freedom that will radically transform, change their lives. They will never be the same, Father, because your word is truth, and the truth will set us free. Thank you for the power of the living word of God. We thank you. It will not return void, but it will accomplish what it was sent forth to do. In Jesus' name. And all the people shouted, Amen. Amen. In Exodus 20, again in the fifth verse, God, I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children <clears throat> unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. The sins of the fathers, the sins of the mothers can affect the children. Sometimes, you know, we read the Word of God and we see that there are consequences to sin and, and people think, oh, you know, God, He sure is, you know, uh, really mean, you know. He, he judges people for their sin. It's a terrible thing. But, to, you know, we need to understand that <clears throat> it's a lot like parents with their children. Like, for example, when my kids were growing up early, they, we had a, a wood stove. And it was a barrel type of stove, and it really wasn't the best type of stove to have when you have young children especially. But we had to warn those children, do not touch that stove. You know, I mean, that was like a law. <laughs> Don't touch the stove. But I remember, I think one of our children did touch the stove one time and got burnt. Is that right? Was it Ruth? Yeah. Lights went out. It wasn't her fault. She didn't do it intentionally. <clears throat> but anyway, you know, there's a consequence to doing wrong. I mean, you know, that's why you tell your children not to play in the street. Oh, these parents are so mean. They're dictatorial. They won't let their kids play in the street, you know. And it's the same way. You know, God gives us laws. They're principles for living. He says, you know, when you go against my laws, you're sowing destruction into your life. There's a law of sowing and reaping. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption soul that's in it that shall die. Can I have an amen? And God says, you know what? If you sin, if you're in idolatry, if you're worshiping other gods, if you're not serving the Lord, it's going to affect your children to the third and fourth generation. It will affect the generations after you. I mean, if you don't want to do right for your own sake, do it for your kids' sake. <laughs> because what you do, the way you live, the way you operate, the way you serve or don't serve God will affect the future generations. So make a choice to follow God and to serve the Lord. Amen? And your generations will be blessed. He says he'll bless generations to, uh, to a thousand generations. Blessings will come. Now, we, we know there's individual responsibility in all of us. Uh, as we're going to see in the message today, if, if because of what my father did or my mother did or whatever doesn't mean that I have to follow on in that curse because there's a way out of the curse through Amen. Jesus Christ. Amen. And the same, in the same way, you know, there can be blessings on a family, you know, but uh, a ch the child can turn away from that blessing and become corrupt and, and then begin to corrupt his or her generations in, in the future to come. So there's an individual responsibility 
But the point we're making is there is an effect from generation to generation. Susan was uh, in a store recently. We walked into a store with uh, our oldest daughter, Heidi, and as they were walking, walking in, she did some kind of gesture. I think she kissed her on the wrist or something. And as she did that, you know, it just flashed in her mind, that is so Blanche, you know, because that's Susan's mother's name is Blanche. What she did there was what her mother always did. You know, it was just something her mother did. You know, how many know, you, you know, you've heard people say, well, I'm, I'm becoming my mother or I'm becoming my father. You know, it doesn't necessarily happen right away, but <laughs> all of a sudden these figures of speech and different things that your parents did, uh, those expressions and so on, they carry on from gener generation to generation, habits and so on. And for the good or bad, you know, one generation affects the next. Can you say amen? And so, you know, we, we just recognize that. I felt in this series that God didn't want me to, to you know, overemphasize this truth because, thank God, we're free from the curse. Amen. But we need to recognize and understand that sometimes we have things operating in our lives that came from the past generation. Sicknesses can pass from one generation to the next. I mean, medical science talks about hereditary diseases. Uh, these things are a result of the sins of the, the fathers, maybe. You know, there's, there's sicknesses that can pass from one generation to another. And many different things that can pass negatively or positively. This little book is called Break the Generation Curse. If you're interested in learning more, I'm, I'm just going to share the one message today on generational curses. But if you'd like to learn more, this is a good little book on it by Marilyn Hickey. And she goes more into depth on it. But if I can find here, I wanted to share a little, a little story that she gave concerning a man named Jonathan Edwards, who was a great preacher, American preacher, and a man named Max Jukes. And, uh, you know, she gives the source here that she got it from, but it's, it's very interesting. <clears throat> Listen to this true story of two American families. Max Jukes was an atheist who married a godless woman. Some 560 descendants were traced. 310 died as paupers. 150 became criminals, seven of them murderers. 1,000 were known to be drunkards, and more than half of the women were prostitutes. The descendants of Max Jukes cost the United States government more than 1.25 million in 19th century dollars. Jonathan Edwards was a contemporary of Max Jukes. He was a committed Christian who gave God first place in his life. He married a godly young lady, and some 1,394 descendants were traced. 295 graduated from college, of whom 13 became college presidents and 65 became professors. Three were elected as United States senators, three as state governors, and others were sent as ministers to foreign countries. 30 were judges, 100 were lawyers, one the dean of an outstanding law school, 56 practiced as physicians, one was the dean of a medical school. Seventy-five became officers in the military. One hundred were well-known missionaries, preachers, and prominent authors. Another eighty held some form of public office, of whom three were mayors of large cities. One was the comptroller of the U.S. Treasury, and another was vice president of the United States. Not one of the descendants of the Edwards family was a liability 
to the government. Hallelujah. Praise God. So godliness, well, we've been sharing that scripture. Godliness is profitable to you and your descendants. Can I have an amen? Amen. Okay, let's talk a little bit about, first of all, the blessings, household blessings. How is it that what I do can affect my family? Well, the Word of God says in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. He was speaking to the Philippian jailer. Of course, the Philippian jailer says, What can I do to be saved? And the Apostle Paul says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith in God. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved and thy house. You know, folks, we can claim that type of scripture. We, we can claim that scripture for our children. My children shall be saved, and I mean thoroughly saved. Saved in every area, amen? I don't mean just saved and going to heaven, but saved in their physical life, in their marriages. I claim salvation, total salvation for my family in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So God, God speaks this type of blessing uh, into families. But we need to make a stand. We, made, we need to make a decision like the Philippian jailer did. The uh, uh, great general and leader Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We can make a decision for our household. Make a decision for the way our household is going to go. And Joshua did that. The Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 7, 13 and 14 that an unbelieving husband is sanctified by a believing wife. He said, otherwise your children would be unsanctified. In other words, God, God's kingdom is manifested in a family because one person is in there making a stand for Jesus. Amen. And uh, many, of course, are saved because of their spouse's influence. And again, we can't eliminate individual responsibility in this teaching, but there's a powerful effect here in families. God spoke about Abraham, and uh, he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, I can't, I can't do it until I tell Abraham. And he says, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Praise God, we're being blessed in him today. For I know him that he will what? Command his children and his household after him, and they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. So the effect of the relationship with God upon Abraham affected his generations. The promise, the covenant, the relationship that God had with Abraham was so powerful. You know, I was reading about, uh, I don't know if I'm going to get the right kings. There's so many kings, I don't have them all straight. But there was some, many wicked kings in, in uh, the history of Israel. And there was generational curses that carried on in these kings. That's why there was generation after generation of wicked kings. But uh, there was one point when the seed of Abraham through the line of David, you know, God had promised that Christ would come through uh, the messianic line of David. And there was one point where a certain queen killed all her grandchildren in order to destroy the line so that she could be queen. But she, there was one that escaped 
I want to say it was Jehoshaphat, but I'm not sure. But anyway, there was one little baby that escaped by the divine protection of God, and if it hadn't been, if that, if that one had been killed, that promise that God had made would have been broken. You see? But God wouldn't allow it to be broken. There's so much power in these covenants. When you make a covenant with God, it's so powerful that it affects not only you, but your children, your grandchildren, on down the line. Your ancestors are affected by these blessings, by these covenants. And that's why the, the covenant that God made with Abraham is so important and so powerful because God said, I'm going to bless the whole world through my relationship with you, Abraham. And through Abraham was Christ born. Christ is the seed of Abraham. And we, through our spiritual new birth, are in Christ. And you see, that is really, that is really I believe, the most powerful anecdote or the most powerful revelation to overcome any generational curse is that I am simply in a new family. Now, it doesn't mean I neglect my natural family. But spiritually, I am no longer under the curse of any family. I'm in the family of God. And I identify with my new family. I identify with my father. And I have the blessings of the heavenly family. Can I have an amen this morning? Hallelujah. So, God says in Deuteronomy 28, 4, this is another good one to claim for your family, Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. Hallelujah. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The fruit of my body, of my body is, blessed is blessed in Jesus' name. Jesus. Now, in our families, we can impart blessings. We can impart victory into our children. We can pass that on to the next generation. So often I think about Joseph. It's said that Joseph's father, Israel, or Jacob, gave him a coat of many colors, for he loved his children, or he loved Joseph more than all his children. And you know, Joseph went through a lot of troubles in life. He went through a very, very difficult time. But you know what? Something inside of him was a spirit of success. I believe that that had a lot to do with what was planted in him through his father. You see, fathers, we can impart a spirit of success to our children by our attitude towards them, by the words that we speak to them. That, those words are so powerful that they can either cause yokes of bondage to come upon the children or they can break yokes of bondage off the children. If you say to your children, you never do anything right, and that's the kind of thing that you speak to your children, you're literally speaking defeat into their, into their soul. But if you impart to your children the attitude, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to. You're a success in everything you do. That spirit will be upon them, and that blessing will be passed to the next generation. And I think we've talked a little bit about patriarchal blessings and so on. So it's very powerful. Now, what about the curses? What kind of curses can be passed from generation to generation? Well, one, one thing that is often passed from one generation to the next is bitterness and hatred. 
if there's bitterness in the soul of the mother or in the soul of the father and the words that they speak are full of bitterness and negativity and hatred, then that will tend to pass to the next generation. And that must be broken in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Many times uh, I've seen this in, in talking with people. If, for example, someone's father was very... Uh, well, what's the word? I want to say cold, but cold in their exterior, very firm, like, like many of our European immigrants, and I don't mean to be overgeneralizing or being prejudiced here, but sometimes some of these German folks and different fo <laughs> from different uh, European uh, you know, backgrounds and cultures come over with a pretty hardcore exterior and personality. Uh, and come across pretty harsh towards their children. It has happened. And I, I mean, I know I'm being grossly uh, uh, generalizing here, and that's not fair, but I'm doing it for the purpose of bringing across the truth. Uh, if there's that harsh exterior, that inability to show love towards children, inability to show love towards the mother or physical affection, it may be inside, the love may be inside, but never any... Uh, expression of it, you know what, then the child may have that same problem in their life of being able to love their wife, show affection towards their wife or towards their children. And you see, that needs, that cycle needs to be broken, that generational curse, that chain of, of uh, negativity, that rut needs to be broken. There needs to come change into the next generation uh, in order to be set free of that thing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Or if a parent has a harsh temper, you know, that can be passed on to the next generation. And the power of that thing needs to be broken. We need to be healed of that and go, to go into the future in a healthy new way. Can I have an amen this morning? You see, And we, again, we're recognizing these things for the purpose of just seeing them because, you know, God doesn't want us to, to live under these things. Well, my father was this way, and I'm this way, and my kid will be this way. No. Right. I say no. That's right. uh, you know, we can move in a new dimension by the Spirit of God. How many think God has the power to bring life and bring change? Amen. How many think the blood of Jesus is strong enough to cut off these soul ties and generational curses and these things that would pass from one generation to the next. Hallelujah. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I don't have to live under that. So bitterness and hatred and th things, these things like this, they need to be broken from one generation to the next. Another area is fear and worry. I remember one minister saying, my family was a, we were expert worriers, you know. And so when he found out in the Word of God that God doesn't want us to worry, it was so hard for him to believe that he could do that. But he began to live on the Word instead of in the old generational rut. And so fear and worry can be passed on. Uh, sexual sin will bring a generational curse. And uh, many, of course, children who have been abused then later become abusers whether physical or verbal or sexual. If you look into the history of uh, many pedophiles, those that have been involved in sexual abuse in various ways, somebody probably abused them 
at one time or another. And so the link is there. And one of the most important things that we can say about that is that you must forgive the perpetrator of that thing in order to be free of it. Unforgiveness, I'm getting into my next topic here, but unforgiveness binds you to the generational curse. Unforgiveness binds you to the sin. If you're a victim and you are bound up in unforgiveness, then there's a good chance you're going to end up with some kind of sin in your life. You need to forgive the person that has done you wrong, particularly your father and mother. This business of I'm the way I am because of my father and mother and it's all their fault, well, that's fine. That's all you're going to have the whole, your whole life. You can come out of that victim mentality, though, and have something better if you forgive them and cut that off. Leave that to God. Leave all that judgment to God. Amen. You know, the Bible says that with the judgment that you meet, it shall be measured unto you. Be careful how you judge people because that's the judgment that you're going to have to live by. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to give grace. And it will help you to get free of these bondages and soul ties. Remember the story about that Jesus told about the, the man that wouldn't forgive uh, somebody who owed him money even though he had been forgiven of a great debt. And he was turned over to the tormentors until the last little bit was paid. We can be tormented and bound to generational curses and bound to things that we don't need to be bound by, by unforgiveness. That's why Jesus taught uh, very clearly about that when you pray, standing, forgive, if you have ought against any. Okay? Another area that seems to be a, a real generational thing is alcohol abuse. My father was an alcoholic, and I was going down that route till I met Jesus. Thank God Jesus broke the chains off my life. Uh, you know, uh, I thank God because I don't have a desire to drink. He took that away from me, even though I was a, I was a heavy drinker, he set me free. And that's a, that's a wonder of the power of God, and we can have that kind of freedom. Another area is a poverty spirit. A poverty spirit is passed on many times from one generation to the next. In India, they have the caste system. It's in, in law. If you're born into this certain economic social system, that's where you stay. In America, thank God we're not there. We can come out, but many people can't come out because of what's up here. Uh, I shared with you about a, a little movie that Susan and I watched uh, a few weeks ago called Remember the Titans. And uh, in that movie, there was a football team, and this one fellow came on the team, and, and he wanted to be part of the team, you know, and all the, all the guys on the team were playing. They wanted to get into college. And the coach said to this fellow, well, are you going to go to college? He says, no, 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 there's no way I'm ever going to college. I'll be doing good if I even pass high school. And he says, I'm just poor white trash. And that's what my father was and his daddy and so on, and that's what, that's what our family will be. And the old coach pulled him aside and he says, I'm going to get you a tutor, and you're going to pass, and you're going to enter college. 
<laughs> and he did. But you see, a poverty spirit is a poverty mentality. Listen, the way that these generational curses are passed on, one of the main ways they're passed on is in the thinking. Strongholds. That it was this way and it's going to be this way again. And that's why these things reproduce over and over again because there's a mentality that says, okay, I can't get above a certain type of job. I can't go beyond where I've been. And that, but see, we can come out of that especially with the power of God. Yes. Amen. You see? And there's people in the world even that come out of that because they change their thinking. Some of these principles will work even for the unbeliever. If they'll stop thinking poverty thoughts, living in the poverty mode, and say, no, hey, I can come into a better realm. That happened in my mother's family. They were very, very poor, but most of the children came out of that and became very, very successful. They were able to move into a higher level and break out of that. But these are the kinds of things. And these strongholds are very, very powerful. You know? And it's a rut that causes people to make the wrong decisions over and over again. For example, divorce. The attitude is on the inside and it reproduces and it must be broken by the power of Jesus' name. And it can be broken, see? And that's why people are going down uh, a wrong path over and over again in generations. Okay? Can I have an amen today? Yeah. Now, power over generational curses. The greatest power over generational curses, as I said before, is your inheritance in the family of God. 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5 says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Where is your faith? Is your faith that you will reproduce what, you're, what you had in the last generation? Or is your faith in what Jesus Christ has given you, what God has given you through Jesus Christ? The Bible said that you're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You have what Jesus has. Jesus doesn't have a poverty spirit. Now, he might relinquish everything he has for, the, for someone else. But he, I tell you, he didn't, have a, he didn't have a poverty spirit. One time he had 5,000 people that were hungry. And he did more right there to feed them than you and I could with our biggest credit card. He, he had this needs met. Amen? And he doesn't have that sickness spirit. And he didn't have a divorce spirit. Amen? He had a righteous, holy spirit. See, this is what we have. This is what we've inherited. We haven't inherited a curse. We've inherited a blessing. So the great, that's the greatest truth is the revelation of our sonship, which we talked about quite a bit last week. I want to encourage you, 
if you haven't heard all the message, pick up the tapes and get this series. Because I think it's really been helping us to build this truth into us. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What's the answers to the problem of this world? The gospel of Jesus Christ. What can change the heart of man? The gospel of Jesus Christ. What can break the curse of sin? The gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. God says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son uh, into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. There is no generational curse. There is no sin that can keep you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Turn your Bibles this morning to Jeremiah and the 31st verse. I want to share with you something there. And verse 29, 31-29. And in a way, I think this, is, this kind of says it in a nutshell. In those days, they shall say no more, the fathers have eaten a sour grape, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Now, we're going to find out that the day he's talking about here is the day of salvation. It's the day that we're living in. And he's saying in this day, we don't need to say, the fathers have eaten a sour grape, the children's teeth are set on edge. What does that mean? It means that the bitterness in one generation does not need to pass to the next generation. Matter of fact, in the name of Jesus, we break it in every person listening to this message today, we break the power of the bitterness of the past generation. The sour grape of the Father shall not affect the children in Jesus' name because this is the era of the new covenant in Jesus' name. Amen. See, that sour grape, without the gospel, that can pass from one generation to the next. That bitterness of soul in the parents can pass to the children. But he says, in that day, we won't say that. Hallelujah. Why? But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grape, his te teeth shall be set on edge. Why? Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, I will make a new covenant. He says, you know, you can't live under the, the, the uh, excuse that your father ate a sour grape. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> it's not a fair excuse anymore because you have freedom from generational curses in Jesus' name. Yeah. Are you here today? Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, I will make a new covenant. Glory to God. We're living under a new covenant. We're living under the covenant of Jesus Christ, the covenant that says, him who the Son sets free, is free indeed. Hallelujah. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them out by the hand to, to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband to them, saith the Lord. That's what we read in Exodus 20. 
He said, I will visit the iniquities of the fathers upon the, the third and fourth generation. He says, it's a new day. We do not need to live under it. Now, without the gospel, it still holds true. And the influence is there in the soul, but we can break it if we believe the word of God. Who is he that overcometh generational curses? But he that believeth that Jesus is the son of God. This is the victory that overcometh generational curses, even our faith. Praise God. I'm enjoying this today. I don't know if anybody else is enjoying I am enjoying this today. Praise God. There's freedom in the gospel, man. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts. I'll put a desire in you to do right. And I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, and I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Hallelujah. I'm not bound by a generational curse. Thank God, him who the Son sets free is free indeed. Let me share one more verse with you. I won't have you look it up, but it's found in Hosea 4.6. And he says this, My people, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why is it that Christians would live under a generational curse? Well, because they didn't come here, Pastor Tom preached this message today. That's why. Because he said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You have been given knowledge today so that you're not, you don't have to be destroyed. My people, that's God's people. That's saved people. But yet they're destroyed. Why? Lack of knowledge of the word of God. I tell you, we got to get a hold of what the word of God says. We need to be taught of the Lord. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of God, I will also forget thy children. We need the knowledge of God in our households like never before. Because, see, we have the idea sometimes, you know, oh, the world is just too powerful, the influences of the world, oh, the, the rap music and the television, oh, it's just too powerful. But the Word of God is more powerful. Amen. And if we will fill up on the Word of God and fill up in the knowledge of God, the greater one will take over and do his stuff in your life. Hallelujah. How to reverse the curse. Seven keys. Number one, get in the family of God and lead your family into a relationship with Christ. Number two, identify with who you are in Christ. Stop identifying with the old sinful Adamic nature. Number three, repent of any practices that open the door to curses, including bitterness and negative speech. In other words, quit it. Don't confess negatives over yourself and your children. 
Number four, confess the word of God over yourself and your family. That's so powerful. You have authority to confess that word of God over yourself and your, and your children. Number five, faithfully attend a strong faith-based church that can encourage you and teach you the word of God. Number six, bind or forbid. That's what bind means, you know. Forbid the devil and demon powers to operate against you in your house. Satan, I forbid you to operate against the people of God in our church, in Jesus' name, against their children, against their families. I forbid it. I put a stop to it in the realm of the Spirit, not in my name, but in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank God we have a name that's higher than any other name. The name, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. I confess blessings to our families in Jesus' name. Number seven, finally, welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and in your home. When you're driving down the road in your car, welcome the Holy Spirit. Practice the presence of God because, well, we had a prophecy about that today. Get in my presence. That's where the blessings are. And we need the blessings of God in our home. There was a man named Obed, Obed-Edom in the Old Testament. And they didn't have any place to put the ark, so they put the ark in his house. And it said his house, when he got the ark in his house, he was blessed. And when you and I get the presence of God in our house, we'll be blessed. And I have an amen today. We pray you have been blessed and encouraged by this message from Tom Shanklin Ministries. Tom Shanklin Ministries is reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We invite you to become part of this worldwide evangelistic outreach through your prayers and financial support. To request our free monthly newsletter, you can reach Tom Shanklin Ministries at 507-407-HELP. That's 507-407-4357. Visit Tom Shanklin Ministries online at tomshanklin.org or send cards and letters to Tom Shanklin Ministries, P.O. Box 4144, Mankato, Minnesota, 56002.